Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Extraordinary Family Life Podcast. We are your hosts, Greg and Rachel Denning, and we are just sitting here laughing and crying and <laughs> having a fun little conversation with amongst ourselves and just talking about life and all the stuff and things of life. And man, you, you guys know this. Life is this big crazy adventure it really is it's it's wild an adventure well and maybe, maybe that's maybe that's important right there's like what what do you how would you define life listener how would you what do you call it what do you think life is is life an endurance event is life just a suffering mess? is life just a, a dumpster, dumpster fire, fire? <laughs> right and so you're like my life's a dumpster fire but like what is life and I think how you choose to see that, how you choose to find it, determines in so many ways how your life actually is. Like, what is life? Is it a journey? Is it a trial? I mean, so, like, that was the culture I grew up in. Life is a trial. You're here to endure, suffer. Like, man, I think life's absolutely fantastic. Well, it's you amazing. Didn't think that at the time. No, no, I grew up in the life is a trial, so right. boy, I I lived it out perfectly. I was like, life's a trial, and I made, like I, <laughs> so I made my you life a trial. It. Oh, I lived it. I was like, oh, if life's a trial, I'm going all in, and it was. My life was a horrible trial, and finally, I'm like, wait, why am I doing this to myself? Isn't that amazing? You can choose to to not participate anymore. If you grew up and were told like life's Life sucks, then you die. That's how I grew up. That's how I was raised. Or life's a trial. Or life's horrible. And everyone's out to get you. It's just, you have to endure. You can just decide, you can just choose to stop participating in that. And like life, no, you don't have to, isn't, you're here to endure. You're here to like live life and enjoy it. Have a great time. And become your very best self. Not have a great time in, as in nothing matters, don't care, don't eat, live on drink, purpose. Just, yeah, eat, drink, and be merry. It's not that. It's, no, let's, let's do the right things, do the hard things, and have a blast of a time doing them. Well, I guess that's why in life as an adventure can be an accurate Metaphor, adventures because adventures are hard. Adventures are hard. Yeah. We took our kids out two days ago paddle boarding <laughs> um, here in Portugal. and This is a perfect example. Cause yeah, it is a perfect example because we went out to have a good time, to have fun, right? And you think having fun is going to be fun and easy. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, and, and I, I remember thinking through this while Rachel's going to give some of the details here. But I remember thinking through like, oh, this is going to be just this easy little joyride right I'm like this is wow this is gonna be just play right so we went out with that expectation and at first it was like that oh. but we went exploring far and through all these little estuaries and swampy areas and you know there's crabs and everything and we have four paddle boards with our family and then we got out to kind of the ocean essentially and then simultaneously the wind, the picked, wind up, picked up big time and started blowing me off to Spain <laughs> <laughs> and I could not for the life of me turn around like literally for the life of me I could not turn around so I'm 
facing towards Spain, paddling, trying to turn around as hard as I can. And I'm just getting further away. Like, I was not at all making progress. <laughs> and I, I had Sandriana on my board, and Aaliyah had Sage, and it was all we could do to move forward a little bit. Because we had to go, in order to go back to where we launched, it was into the headwind. And right. it, the wind had picked up. So there's winds and there's waves. And we were just paddling and paddling as hard as we could just to move forward. And I kept looking back, and there goes Rachel just <laughs> being carried off into the distance. <laughs> right. Um, so we finally, we had to stop. You and Atlas, our oldest son at the time, at right now that's with us, that's still home. He's 12. We had to, had to come out and save me and basically swim me back. As much as Rachel paddled, she just kept going in circles and kept drifting away. <laughs> it wasn't circles. I, <laughs> I was going the wrong way is what I was doing. Well, okay, in circles. <laughs> so you pulled me back. Then there was this little teeny island that we all took a break on and laid in the sun. And we're like, Which ah. is amazing. And then we had to go back all the way into the wind. And it was a strong headwind the entire way back. Right. And so what turned out so to the be only thing that actually worked our little three hour tour. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you guys catch the Gilligan's Islands reference yeah. there. The only thing that actually got us back was not paddle boarding because that was not working. In fact, especially for me when I was standing on the paddle, I was just a sail that was helping me go the <laughs> wrong way. But like for me, our twelve year old son got out and he pushed me walking in the sand, the marshy it wasn't even sand, it marshy was, mud. It was, it was, it was that awesome stuff that squishes through your toes, yeah. and you're like, oh, please don't have any foul diseases. <laughs> uh-huh. Or crabs. And he pushed me all the way back, towing his board, and you had well, to do then, the same thing. Well, then we got to the deep part again. He had to swim. He, to he swim. just swam the whole way. He, he pushing you. That was, yeah. that was amazing. That was impressive. And so as I was thinking about it, I was like, this isn't the kind of stuff that you go out thinking, this is what we're going to do. Because yeah. when you think about it, you're like, no, that sucks. I don't want to go do that. That's lame. I'd rather stay home, especially for our 12-year-old. Who he would rather stay home. In fact, he didn't even want to go paddleboarding. He wanted to stay home. And yet he had a blast but yet, and did hard things. Well, this is what I was thinking about at the time. While I was sitting on my board and he was... <laughs> swimming you back. <laughs> he was swimming me back. And I was trying to help with my little paddle, but I knew it wasn't doing that much. Uh, and I kept asking him, like, do you want me to get out and get in and, you know, like, help you swim? And he was like, no, stay there. And he had this real sense of, like, chivalry, ne- ne- chivalry yeah. and necessity. Like, yeah. I needed him. Yeah. I really did. He knew I would not make it back without him. Yeah. And he loved that. Like, I could, despite the fact oh, that it was hard, he, and I knew it was hard. In fact, he, he, and I, he and I had a moment where he's like, Dad, let me go. I'm like, no, I got it. I'm already, he's like, Dad, exactly. let me go. And I'm like, I am let not, me do it. I am I'm not taking this away from him. Yeah. And, and so I took and his board. And he wanted it. Yeah. And he took it, and he, he loved it. And so that that right there, that is adventure. And that's what life can and should be like, yeah. where you go out expecting to have a good, fun time. You end up having a hard time, yeah. but it's a time that actually transforms you, and it, it's the whole hero's journey thing. Where, like, and it makes it memorable. That's yeah, what we remember. We're going to remember this because because of the headwind, right? because of the challenge. Right. I mean, it was, it was cool otherwise. It was very cool. But that headwind getting back, we're like, oh, man. And I, that's what I love about nature in the wilderness is... It forces it upon you. Because if you want to go back to your car ever and then go right. back to home... <laughs> if we like, didn't want to just go to Spain, which got none of us did. eat that suck sandwich right. if you want to go back home. That's why I love, love, love nature. 
Because the way out, you like you do a loop hike or whatever. The way out, you're like, this is great. Everything's fantastic. And you get to the halfway point, you're like, I'm exhausted. I want to be done. But you mm-hmm. can't. You right. cannot be done unless, unless you, you just want to lay there. down and die and live there or whatever. <laughs> like, you gotta, you, if you got to make your way back. And that's where you have to push all your limits. You have to do things you don't want to do. You wouldn't choose to do. You'd rather not do, but you have to right. because you're out there. Because, interestingly enough, I mean, you're actually... It, it goes in line with human nature in some ways because you're actually choosing the easier route. It's hard, but it's easier than the alternative. It's either, easier than starving to death in the woods or hunting your own food, right? Because that's what would happen if right. you chose not to do it. Like, oh, I don't want to go back. It's too hard. Well, okay, you get to stay here and hunt try your own and, Try and build a shelter and get your own food and see how that goes yeah. tonight. So we are actually choosing the easier option, but it's still a really hard option. That's why it's so fascinating. Yep. It's beautiful. So, you, again, you get to choose what it is. And, and today our topic is, is a form, probably one of the most common forms of self-sabotage we see, but it fits right into this. Like we, we make things harder than they need to be, or by making poor choices or neglecting things, we, we turn it into just a, just a rotten, miserable situation where maybe you know, suffering is, is required, but misery is optional. I've heard somebody say that, right? You don't have to be miserable. And... When we share all this, not obviously our little paddleboarding experience isn't like, mm-hmm. we know what it's like to have a hard to life because one day we had to paddle into a headwind. <laughs> like We're running businesses and we're living internationally with our family and we're leading. We Oh, this is so cool. You guys, next week we're having our uh, first youth retreat. We've done lots of youth retreats, but we're first one here in Portugal. So stoked. All these people flying in for that. And then the week after that, we're leading an awesome adventure for families to uh, Scotland. And we're all so stoked. We packed our bags all up, getting all our gear for the Scottish Highlands. It's going to be off the charts. And then had some people more uh, people sign up for Kilimanjaro, which we're training for that. And Aliyah and I are now, we were, I'm just sharing all this fun stuff, like we're geeking out. And this is why we, why we moved to Portugal, you guys. So that we have close access. We found like $70, 70 euro trips, flights to France or Switzerland or well, Italy or Austria. Well, some of them were like 35 euros. Oh, my gosh. So, Geneva, yeah, so like I think. 70 euros round trip. For two people. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, 70 euros to get both of us to Switzerland so we can practice hiking for your Kilimanjaro trip. For Kilimanjaro. <laughs> How awesome is that? We're going to we're going to take a weekend trip to Switzerland to just take a hike, go hiking so we can train for Kilimanjaro. This is why we're but, over here. But I oh. thought you were telling people about suffering. <laughs> You're like we understand suffering because of our paddleboarding experience. <laughs> well, actually, we have all these trips coming up. We get to go to Switzerland. <laughs> this is not okay, a good lead. I totally missed the um <laughs> Where is the suffering part we were talking about? Yeah. We're, we're, we're leading it. trips. And I, I think suffering is the wrong word. We're running businesses and we're, there's a lot we have to take care of. Because it's, okay, it's not necessarily suffering. We're going to tie this in here, trust us. But it's. At least we're going to try. It's stress and pressure, I think is where how yep. I would label it. Yep. Because you started and before you got distracted with Kilimanjaro in Switzerland. Sorry. Um, it was amazing. I was thinking that in my mind, the next two months of our life were going to be 
very busy and doing lots of things. This comes right after, I mean, we spent the past, we've been in Portugal getting settled into our new home base, which has, again, been a lot of work. It's not, that's not like sitting around doing nothing. That's a lot of work for the past six weeks. And yet no one's going to shed a tear for I know, our... I know, they're not. <laughs> but this is why I'm not, this is why I'm choosing to not use the word suffering, because it's not suffering. Because it's not it's, at all. It, yep. It's chosen stress and pressure. Yep. And it's Mickey Mouse problems, We chose it, right? Um, before that, we traveled full-time for six months. Again, not, that is not suffering, okay? But it is lots of stress and pressure. <laughs> and no one will be sad for us. This is why I changed the wording here, okay? Because it's not suffering, but it is work. And I wanted to come back to that in a minute about the amount of work that it is. Um... So, you know, six months of full-time travel, which is 17 countries. It's a, it's a lot of, like, going, packing, unpacking, moving, go, do, do, do. like, there's a lot. I don't know if people can fully comprehend what all of that is. And then we've been here for about six weeks. We've been working nonstop to get settled. Me, personally, being, a lot of people don't know this about me, but, like, I'm kind of a homebody. I'm an introvert. I'm a homebody. I am perfectly happy just staying at home and, you know working on my computer, writing my book, that type of thing. Like, I could be completely content. For me, that's where I want to be mentally. But instead, out of necessity, and we've chosen it, we have a youth trip coming up. We have then a Scotland trip two days after that. Like, we have to leave two days after that. So we have to pack for Scotland and prepare for 17 people to come stay at our house. And... We get back from Scotland. Our kids go to a church youth camp for a week. They come back. We fly to England for a week. We come back. Nine days later, we fly to the United States for three weeks so that we can apply for our visa. And at the same time, pack up a whole bunch of stuff to ship back to, ship to us in Portugal. So it's a lot of things in my mind. Again, not suffering here, right? But uh, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of stuff to get done with deadlines. I can literally hear people saying... I know, laughing. Would you like me to call a wambulance for you? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But the point is... It is work. Is kind of the point. And with the work and the pressure and for me personally with the deadlines like I'm a person I don't like deadlines and you know that about me and I think I've probably said it before I don't like deadlines I like it better when things are open-ended when we have plenty of time like that's my style even when we make travel plans I'm always planning in plenty of time to get there you know I'm like we're gonna leave for the airport with plenty of time we're gonna go here with plenty of time like I like having plenty of time that's my thing Greg can handle, we have 15 minutes, let's do it now. And I'm like, ah, no. You know, that kind of pressure just, it's not that it cripples me, although maybe you would say that. It just stresses me. So then I have to say, we have 15 minutes and I have to carry Rachel. Exactly, right. (laughs) 15 minutes and I'm carrying mom, (laughs) right? (laughs) Because the other thing you say about me is that I can't move fast, which is partly true like I, I like to just take my time I like to just go at my pace which part of that is not true okay it's true <laughs> it's, it's fully true <laughs> um you know I that's just my style and so 
when I'm faced with deadlines, I have even more pressure because not only I, I can get things done. Like I feel like I'm very good at managing time. I'm very good at being productive. I'm a very productive person. But for some reason, when I have a deadline attached to it, you give it some kind of meaning. Yeah, I give it some kind of meaning where that I now feel like I don't know if I can accomplish this and get it all done in time because I have a deadline, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, I'm, I can easily get things done without the deadline, but give me that deadline. And, and you could get them done by the deadline. Right, but or give before. You the deadline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but with the deadline, there's some kind of meaning you've attached to it, right. and that's what's getting at you. Exactly. And so we're, we're discussing all of this because... We realize that, obviously, I'm not the only one who does this type of thing. And like you were mentioning before, it, it is a type of self-sabotage yeah. where you give meaning to things in a way that instead of having it help you accomplish what you need to do, it actually, it, okay, it does cripple you and prevent you from making the progress you need to make. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I think, are doing this in a lot of ways. In fact, I mean, I know that they are because that's why, that's why I think people don't achieve more in their life, in their lives, because they get crippled by the pressure and the deadlines. Yep. Or whatever else, the distractions, yeah. the disturbances. All you need is a little bit of a disturbance in your force, and it undoes you know, kind of best case scenario undoes your productivity and your, your peace of mind. But worst case scenario, it cripples you. Like mm -hmm. you take, I, I heard um, yesterday when I was speaking with someone, they were talking about how um, a family member of theirs, when, when something went off, this family member would just crawl into bed and stay there for a week or more because one event disturbed them, upset mm -hmm. them. And so they literally shut down physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, all of it. And and, and when you describe the scenario, it's like, that's not even, it's not, it, it doesn't even show up. It doesn't even register on, like, that's horrible. Mm -hmm. It was like, really? That crippled you for a week in bed? Mm -hmm. But that's the point. Right. That's what we're talking about. Well, there's a couple things there. One, that in some ways that makes me feel better because that's definitely not what I'm doing. <laughs> Two, though, I also can understand, and I think mentally and emotionally what's happening is it's probably not just that one thing, but it's probably the straw Absolutely. that breaks the camel's back, and it's all these other things that have been building. Emotional stacking. Yeah. 100%. Emotional it's emotional stacking all the way. And in this case, I understand more of it. It's all the way back from childhood. Right. Yeah. Which is, which is, yeah, super powerful to realize that because when you don't take care of those emotional stacks, when you don't handle and process those things as they come along, then, yeah, they do just build and build and build until something happens and it does crush you mentally, emotionally. So, and this is, that's a perfect lead-in. That's exactly what we're talking about today. Right. And so, and so then on the other side of it, you know, when I'm talking about, I'm feeling all this pressure, and I'm, I use the word crippled, but really that's not accurate, you know, I, I cry, <laughs> I am a little harsher with the kids than I like to be, and for me that really disturbs me, 
because I try to live at this higher standard that for the most part I can maintain, I feel, you know. And I think that this has given me... You can. Me, I, I want can to make sure that... Yeah, maintain. that was heard. Yeah. You do um, a great job. I think that this is helping me see this insight that I think one of the reasons I have been able to do that is because I do, I have been very intentional, at least for the past decade or so, to process things as they come. So while it might bother me, and I don't know if it bothers you, you're too nice to say if it bothers you, you know, when I, I cry and I have to talk through things and have to an we psychoanalyze me and, and try to figure out why I'm crying and what caused it and all that. And sometimes I find that annoying. Like, as a productive person, I'm like, I don't want to spend time doing this. This is annoying. And yet, I think that is really helpful because it avoids me having a major breakdown or meltdown like that. Like, you know, yeah, there have been times when I've gotten so upset. I have climbed into bed and I've laid there for 30 minutes and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to get up and keep going, right? Like, that's that's my thing. Like, I, I'll take a break. But I could never, ever see myself to at that point where I would spend a week in bed. I think the reason why is because I process as I go. Mm -hmm. I Emotional stacking is still what causes me to cry over something, right? Like this morning, I was crying because we have all these guests coming in. I'm trying to get everything ready. And, da, da, da. you know, there's like 10,000 things I'm trying to do. And I cry. That's an emotional stack. But I don't allow that to build up day after day yep. and week after week and month after month and year after year. So relatively speaking, your yeah. stack is quite small. Exactly. Relatively, it is very small. And so it's a lot easier, even though it can still be complicated and challenging, mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to dig through and sort out than it is if I'm trying to go all the way back to my childhood. Mm -hmm. Which we did just a moment ago. <laughs> okay, so Talking it can about still... Cartwheels. Yes. <laughs> okay, so because as we were talk discussing this and I was, you know, this is, I guess we just need to walk through what we do. Like, this is what we do with ourselves in our daily life. I woke up. Let's go back to the beginning. I woke up. We're quoting a movie now, one of our favorite movies. Um, and I felt fine. I hadn't slept great because we've, again, we moved to a foreign country. The beds are not the best. I'm missing my bed that's back in storage in Utah. And so none of us in have Georgia. been. Sorry, Georgia. None of us have been sleeping phenomenally well, but it was decent. It wasn't bad. We're not on the ground. We're not on the ground. Exactly. We're not in a concentration camp. We're not on the ground. Um, and I, my plan was I have a busy week coming. I'm going to be very productive today. I'm going to do all these things, do, 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 do. And before I even got to my morning routine, our dog was barking, our little puppy. So we have this cute little puppy. He <laughs> is adorable. I don't he doesn't know, usually bark. I don't know where this, yeah, he's not a barker. The, the pool guy came, that was why. Well, but he's, I don't know where this came from. He wakes up, as soon as he comes into consciousness, he just does one little bark. Oh, well, that, that wasn't, that and didn't I, even bother And me. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know why. It's so, it's cute, but you're like, why did you do that? Because yeah. he does it early. He wakes up early and he just goes, rough. You're like, I'm awake now. What? Like, the door's open. Walk out, dude. Like, go. You're <laughs> okay. Just... But, so point being, the rest of the house is sleeping. And in my mind, when the rest of the house is sleeping, you can be productive. I can be productive. If he's barking, because it wasn't one bark, he's sitting out there barking multiple times at the pool guy. 
And so I'm like, he's going to be waking people up, and that means I can't be productive. So it begins this spiral for me of lots of pressure, lots of deadlines, interruption to that. So I begin to go in this mode of, ah, I'm not going to be able to get everything done that I had planned to get done today. And we understand how ridiculous this sounds. That I know. Our adorable We're, we're psychoanalyzing it, okay. And our pool guy. <laughs> <laughs> but we're just walking through it. And we're using, of course, our own lives because what else do we have to use? We right. can only use our own lives. And I, I want to illustrate that. We'll gratefully use your, your life if yeah, you... Yeah, if you want to share, <laughs> we'll use share. your life. <laughs> but I want to illustrate that, I guess, that it still happens. Yep, absolutely. It still happens. You know, I still will get stressed to the point of crying, and it's instigated by seemingly small and stupid things, like the dog barking, right? So, anyways, he eventually then did wake up one of our smaller daughters, and then I went out to tell Greg and complain about the dog waking up the daughters. He said, don't worry, I'll take him. Go to your little getaway and do your writing and work on your stuff that you need to work on. So I went and did that. But then here's the other problem. And I think moms can relate with this. As I'm walking through our house and then into our little, we have like a little attached apartment that's for guests and stuff, and that's where I go do my writing. Mentally, I'm looking at all the things I need to get done today or tomorrow or this week before everybody comes. So that's another thing, because all those things begin to stack or open tabs, we like to call it. So I'm opening all these tabs. So I'm not just going to have this nice, peaceful, relaxing work experience that I want to have, I'm opening all these tabs, so now I've got all these browsers running memory, and I'm walking and saying, oh, that drawer needs to be clean. It's got mold. This has a, uh, we got to fix that and sweep under there and clean it. We have to make up the bed. We have to put sheets on. We've got to do, do, do all of these things of things I have to get done. Now, Mental I, management right there. I manage to be able to put that aside for the time being to focus on what I needed to get done, and I did that. And I made progress on what I needed to get done. And then I was tempted to just continue working for who knows how long. But I made the decision to go back and honor my family time. Which, because that's, you know, that's next to my day. But what happened was because I already had all these open tabs of things I needed to get done, I wanted to have a very productive and efficient morning time. Like, we're going to quickly do the morning time, and then we're going to get to work on the stuff that needs to get done. Well, I didn't have cooperation in that. Well, because I had started a project. Well, you had started another project. That was one of the things. And it turned into a way bigger project than I anticipated. because it has to get done. Yep, it's got to get done. So I start working. I'm like, I'll do this real quick. And it took a lot longer. (laughs) And then I needed everyone's help to finish it. So So we all had to come I kind of, without knowing it, sabotaged the time of the morning devotional. Then I had to take my daughter to volleyball. So then you had to leave. Yep. And then she was And then so, that's when I broke into tears. She was like not you in left, but heaven this morning, like finally playing sand volleyball. Like she was just yes, giddy out of her so mind. so happy about she's, it. And she was playing with the guys this morning, and they oh. were hustling. And she was just like, she finally got in the car like an hour after I went over there. And she's like, I love volleyball well, so much. But wait, that... that because you had to leave the first time to oh, take that was her, the second time. and then you came back, and yeah. then you had to leave again to go pick her up, and then the piano guys came to deliver the piano. So, it, <laughs> so it's all of these things that are happening. So after you left the first time is when I cried the first time, and I cried because I was trying to get cooperation from the three youngest children that are at home, because I've got, again, 
quote unquote, all these things to do and they aren't cooperating because they have the things they want to do, which are not the same goals as mine today. They don't understand. They don't know that I have a deadline. They don't know that all of these things have to get done in order for all of the people that are coming. They don't realize. So they're in their same normal routines of like, well, this is what I do in the morning. And my already increased... This is so important because like the little, little ones, you're like, oh, we have all this stuff to do because our guests are coming next week. Right. And our little ones are like, how far away is next week? Exactly. When is that? How many days is that? (laughs) Right? They're still, the little ones. Actually, they don't get it. Yeah. They're they're abstract ideas and like next week, like what does that even mean? Like Mm -hmm. with six days, what does six days mean to a six-year-old? How many times do you go to sleep? Yeah, exactly. And they're, they're trying, they just can't get it. And yet. We're processing all this stuff, and they're on a different level, which is, this is such an important principle. Mm -hmm. Everyone we're interacting with is on a different level, even adults. They're on different levels. They're different spaces, and they follow different rules. But we have all these things going on in our head, and we have all these rules that we we want others to abide by our rules, but they don't know our rules. And we want them to get it. We want them to... You want to be able to tell them without having to have this long explanation of just like, I've got things to get done. We've got to do these things. And when you're in this state, again, I'm comparing it to this state to my, let's say my normal state or my usually desired state. When you're in this more stressed state, you have a harder time articulating these things. And working with people and leading people. having more diplomacy with them. Persuasion. Hold on, i got to tie this to business real quick. Because this has come up multiple times with my business clients. They want their employees to care about their business as much as they care about their business. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why, why don't you take this more seriously? Why aren't you more effective? Why aren't you more productive? Why, aren't, why don't you want to hustle and scramble? And I'm like, hey, dude, your employees don't stay up late or get up early thinking about your business. Mm-hmm. They don't lay in bed dreaming about the future of your business. <laughs> they don't care. Right. Like, it, it's a job. Like, this is my job. They care about themselves, their life. And... And the job you're offering them is just like part of their life that they have to check that box. Mm-hmm. Like nobody's waking up first thing in the morning thinking about how to scale your business. Mm-hmm. You care about your business. And, and it's an important and distinction there. Like people are operating in a totally different sphere and you gotta, you got to own what's yours. Which I think also, you know, I think that applies to kids as well because a lot of times people might find this offensive, but I view kids as kind of like employees, not that... You know, they're there to serve me, per se. But if you are running your home like a business, you should be treating your children like employees and and training them and teaching them and helping them gain a vision of what you're trying to accomplish as a group and a team as opposed to just expecting. Right. I think a lot of parents just think, my kids should just know. Like, they should just be a part of this vision I have. And like, no, they're an employee. They don't Perfect. care. Well, and yeah, <laughs> this is don't, your family, Don't misunderstand the, the analogy there. The kids aren't employees, but it, it fits. Like, they're little team members, but they don't wake up first thing in the morning and say, how can our family in our home reach be... these visions exactly. and ideals and goals? They wake up and it's like, what's for food and what am I going to do for play today? Exactly, right. So you can't expect your kids to, quote, get it. Exactly. Because they, and, they and don't, they're not thinking like you do. It's normal for them to have their goals. Yeah. So, and I know this, 
And I know that the best way, and this is what I do most of the time, to get them on board with what I need to do is to present it in an effective way and help them get the vision of it and then enlist their help. Well, I was not in the state to do that, of course, and so then it just becomes ineffective. And because it's ineffective, I cry because I know I'm being ineffective and it's not working here, right? And so you come back. I'm like, oh, okay, I've been crying. And luckily, I you're amazing, and you just are like, okay, what can I do to help? What can I work on? You literally went and completed like three tasks that were on the list, you know, so that helps to relieve some of the burden. And then you just begin, you know, t- we're, we're trying to explain what we do to then process this emotional stacking so that it doesn't continue to build. Yep. Because I think in, in normal circumstances, in normal circumstances and for many people and the way we would have operated say 20 years ago we don't address it we just kind of move on you're like just deal with it wife like get over you know whatever and i don't do that by the way no i'm saying that like (laughs) that's a more normal response of like just just deal with it just handle it you don't even talk about it per se you just like what's your problem why are you so upset just Whatever, you know. Wait, that's a com- I don't know what people Hold up. say. There's a common response in others that we've observed. Like, I don't do that, but what, what I'm just trying to... No, the of English course you don't do that. language is so confusing. Okay. <laughs> people do that. Yeah, I'm okay, trying to say that that's what people do, I think. <laughs> and and I'm trying to... I was about to say that we used to do that, though I don't think you ever did that, actually. But But we didn't fully understand ourselves, and so we didn't process and work through all the stacking early on we just were kind of like oh what's happening here oh, i don't know maybe you need some time and i need some time and then we came back together without necessarily having resolved anything or figured out what was the problem and and found a solution for it it was just kind of like let's ignore it for a little while and then we'll come back when we feel better and everything will be better which is a strategy people use and it can be helpful but, but it with never things, it never ever ever addresses the issue right in deeper things, it never addresses the underlying issues. Yep. Which you think, well, what's the underlying issue in pressure of trying to get a house ready for guests or whatever? It's not always that. And that's the funny thing about these types of um, circumstances is that you don't always realize it until you dig a little deeper, but sometimes it is connected to things. Sometimes you're like, well, I'm worried about... Having guests, I'm just making this up, this isn't the case for me. Like, I'm worried about having guests because my mom always had to have the house perfect when guests came over because if you didn't, you were a bad host or something like that. You know, well, let you me can give, have this. Let me give specific real scenarios. I did that this morning with a coaching client. We unpacked something like this. Um, it just it came up as we were unpacking, like, hey, why, why this um, recurring behavior? Mm-hmm. Where does this come from? It happened... In the last week, it happened probably two or three times where it was a connection to a father's behavior. And then then it went back even to interaction with siblings. And it was really, really powerful and insightful to realize that a recurring negative behavior that's having negative consequences came from just something that was just automatically learned, just unconsciously picked up from a father's behavior. Mm-hmm. Now, it's way better in both cases. It's way better than the father's behavior, but still there. Right. And they're like, no, this, this is holding my family back. 
I'm not being my best self and it's not bringing the consequences and it's not something I want to pass on to my children, mm -hmm. even though it's significantly improved one generation down. Right. But we realized, and, and in both these scenarios, it kind of came up like, oh, wow. Like, I unconsciously picked that up from my dad. And so then this deliberate consciousness of like, where does this come from? Why am I doing it? And, and what do I do about it? How do I address this issue so it's no longer an issue in my life? Exactly. Which is the reason why we do this process and we go through this effort because in my mind and your mind, if I'm crying about something like getting the house ready for guests, there's a reason for that. It's, it's not just happening just because there's something there. And so our goal is to figure out what. And so, like you said, sometimes it might just be, oh, you're feeling the pressure. You just need to change your state. You move on and you're fine. No big deal. Or it could be connected to something like, oh, you're worried about what that means if the house isn't ready when guests come. Like, what does that mean? And why is it significant? And why would it make you cry type thing? So that's why we go through the process because ultimately it's helping you to resolve all these underlying issues and to remove some of this emotional stacking so that in a normal week, in a normal day, you can move through it without collapsing or crying or, you know, being crushed by life's demands, right? That's the goal. The goal is to be able to operate at your best, to be optimized for productivity and interaction and being able to have diplomacy and influence with your children and being able to function and get all the things done you need to get done. But that can only really happen if you remove all of this crap that's in the way. Yep. Otherwise, if you don't, and, and this is something I really want to emphasize today, if you don't address these things, you just keep getting knocked they out of the game. They don't go away. No, they don't. They don't. And and they have a consequence. Exactly. Always. They, Mentally, they have a cost. emotionally. It's like, I love using the browser analogy, right? Because when you open up all of these tabs in your browser and all of these programs on your computer, they all have a cost. You can't have them open without them doing something in the background on your computer. Yep. They're using, I don't even know the, t the technical terms, but they're using memory or whatever yep. in the computer. And so they have a cost. And the same thing is happening with us. Like everything is having a mental, emotional, spiritual, social cost. And so we have to address them and get those programs closed down or update the apps or <laughs> close some tabs. All of that has to happen so that we can better function and do the things we need to do. And this this is one of the most common forms of self-sabotage that we see week in and week out is that most of us aren't systematically, proactively addressing mm -hmm. the issues. Right. And, and most of what we're talking about right so far has been like internal issues, which they're just as important as external issues. Mm -hmm. But in our observation, it's rare that individuals and couples and families are addressing either external or internal issues. Right. It's incredible. And they'll either be unconscious of it, they don't know what the problem is, so they don't really address it, or they, they're totally aware that it's this thing, 
and they just they keep putting off. They procrastinate. They they don't address it, and so it stays a problem until it becomes a worse problem. Right. Whether it's like, yeah, I know there, there's been this noise in the car. The car's making a strange noise. I really should get it fixed. I really mm-hmm. should have someone check that out. Every time you get in the car, you're like, I, oh, I got to figure that out. I got to figure that out. Or, ah, oh, the tire looks off. Sorry, what's going on? And they don't address it. Right. And so Until that's actually the perfect, that's a perfect a analogy. Because you're going down, and then all of a sudden the tire comes off on the freeway. Mm-hmm. And it, it either is a terrible accident or hits another car or you break down. Now you've got, you know, and you, and you put it off because I don't have the time, I'm too busy, mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever. And so you put it off something that maybe would have taken you an hour and you pay for it with time massive and repairs exactly. and money and all this stuff because it, it could have been prevented. Mm-hmm. The oil change, you, yeah, you saw the oil light come on, you know you need an oil change, you didn't, and your engine seizes up. But that happens at home. Like, you know that that, that closet needed to be organized or cleaned or the fridge needed to be cleaned out. Or you, you, you could have weeded the garden when you saw those weeds just coming up. But now your garden is so overgrown, you literally can't pull weeds. Mm-hmm. you got to start over with a tractor exactly. because it's so overgrown. And this is exactly what's happening in our relationships, yep. in our mind with our emotions, in our interactions with our children, like the same exact thing is happening. We notice these little things like, oh, this kid did that. Or keep, this kid keeps, keeps saying, saying this things thing. like that. Yeah, I'm noticing his pattern. And ah, oh, this one, that one breaks my heart. It, it, marriage and kids. Yeah, my wife keeps saying this or my husband keeps doing this. And I'm like, hey, that's... That's a sign. That's, that's a, flag. a sign. Yeah, red flag there, warning light. That needs to be addressed. And you're like, yeah, you're right. It needs to be addressed. Days pass. Weeks pass. Months pass. I'm like, hey, did you address the issue? No, I need to. I really got to do something about that. And they don't. Mm-hmm. And we've seen, well, we've seen both sides of this. We've seen parents that address it immediately and address it well. Totally changes the course mm-hmm. of, of the child's life, the relationship, the family, or the marriage. And we've seen the opposite. We've seen where they're like, yeah, I should, I should, I need to. I'm, I'm going to get to that. I will. And they don't. And it turns into an absolute disaster. Yeah, I think some of the saddest are you've had people who will contact you and say, this is what my kid's doing, They're whatever it is. I caught them with video games. I caught them with porn. I caught them with whatever. Drugs, and, alcohol, And you say something like, that's a sign. Here's what you need to do. Do these things. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I need to do that. And, they're, and, and then they're, and they're, they see it. They're like, yes, that's great. Oh, my goodness. Wow, what an insight. Yep, that will make a difference. Oh, you're right. He said that. She's done that. Oh, yes. And, and then, then months happen. will pass, and you hear nothing. And then they reach out again, and they're like, our, our child just tried to commit suicide. Or my child's in jail. Or, or they just got someone pregnant. Yep. And we're like. Or we found them overdosed. I mean, we're like, Yeah. You recognized there was a problem. You saw the signs. And you, you didn't take tools. action to address it. Yeah. And I guess ultimately that's what we're talking about. We're using my silly little example today <laughs> of me crying in tears to show you how we do this on a daily basis. When it happens, we address it. We were literally sitting here talking about it, psychoanalyzing me. Before we got on, 
to show you how we walk through this. And, and we do this not because we like it or because we have nothing better to do with our time, because that's clearly not true. We have tons we could be doing. We do it because we know it works, because it's effective, because it helps us to find the source of the issues and to resolve them at their source instead of allowing things to just build and grow until they're too huge for us to handle. I think that's an important point. Addressing these things is inconvenient. Oh, absolutely it's, it's it is. Not, it's, but it feels so like is, a waste of time. But so is dealing with the bigger problem. Well, In fact, even more, more so, way more so. I, I'm thinking of, of divorces, ugly, sad, tragic, admittedly unnecessary divorces that happened because they saw the red flags early on, knew they should do something about it, and didn't. Right. They kept going on. They're like, no, it, it's okay thinking the spouse will tolerate it a little longer mm-hmm. or always, mm-hmm. thinking that it, it'll it'll go away, it'll resolve itself. It won't. Like, oh, they haven't, you know, my spouse hasn't brought it up for a while, so maybe it's no longer an issue. It it's still not. is. It still is. <laughs> it's still It's there. still stacked, and it'll just be some moment, some breaking point, and snap. Right. Well, it makes me think exactly of our car. We have this car that we left in Georgia, because our son had plans on going back there. Now, admittedly, at least from my perspective, I've never been great at taking care of cars. It's always been Greg's job. And we've never been, we haven't been great at teaching this to this son. We have another son who picks it up easily. Like, he loves it, taking care of cars and working on cars. This son, not so much. And we didn't make a huge effort to emphasize it. He's been using this car, and he he drove it to Florida to work, then drove it back to Georgia where we have some stuff and some family, and then started driving back to Florida. Well, we told the story already, but I think for context, did, yeah. yeah. Um, the one of the belts broke. The serpentine belt. In it was late at night. He was stranded. <laughs> we were asleep in Portugal. He couldn't get a hold of us. He doesn't know how to do things with cars. And it turned into a problem, like we are talking about. Like, this was something small, and this was, I'm explaining this because this was the thinking process I had. I never think, why did this happen? What? Ah, it's just bad luck. No, there was a cause. Like, there's a reason this happened. So as I thought back through it, I'm like, well, we haven't taught him to take care of cars, so he should have had a checkup, especially if he's doing a road trip, but he didn't. So no wonder it broke down. Like, that's why it would break down. So there's a reason it happens, right? And there's a cause. And ultimately, okay, I have responsibility in that cause. I contributed to that by not doing my part to help this child learn that, you know, or at the very least get something like AAA, right, to help out. And so it, it's a similar type thing, you know. We a, a belt snaps, and now you're dealt you're dealt a problem you yeah. have to deal with that's big. Yeah. Where, and it could have been prevented. Yeah, addressing by small, it small would have been a hundred bucks and an hour or two of time. Where now, it's, and you think, oh, I don't have time wow. for that, or I don't have the money for that, you know, because that could have been an excuse our son gave if we told him to do that. Um, but you do that and pay for it that way, or you pay for it the other way. And it's now one the car or the other. Is sitting in and the middle the of Norway, is, exactly. in a, not Norway, in the middle of nowhere in Georgia, in Georgia, in a junkyard. 
And so the loss is infinitely greater than addressing the small exactly. issue. That is the point today. That's our message today. Wherever there is a disturbance, an annoyance, a red flag. Some tears. Some tears, some anger, some bitterness, some resentment. Whatever it is, internal or external, if it's, if it's been there just rubbing you wrong, it has to be addressed. Like because, stop putting it off. Because otherwise it will have a consequence. Yeah. So, so even, this is really cool, even the smallest pebble in your shoe, if you're out trekking, it, it, you're like, that's not a big of a deal. And, and you don't want to sit down and take your boot off and have everyone wait for you. And like, I don't want to unlace the whole thing. It's all for this little, I'm just going to keep hiking. I've done this. <laughs> and many people have. So they keep going, they keep going. And they're like, nah, I'll get it out tonight. And it turns into a hot spot. And you're like, so I feel it's a little hot. It's a hot spot, but like, I'm, okay. I'm going to tough it up. I'm, I'm good. I'm just keep going. There's a few more miles. I'm good. And then at some point it becomes a blister. And then at that point, you have problems. Because that blister, now, I mean, it'll fill up with pus or it'll rip. And then, man, then it hurts. So now you got some pain. And so you start walking funny. Mm -hmm. It's it's on your toe or something. And so you you start walking on the side of your foot. Well, then you don't really notice it. But you're hobbling a little bit. You're favoring to, to avoid the pain on that little blister. And you either get blisters somewhere else or all of a sudden your Your knee starts Yeah, your knee, your hip, your ankle starts to hurt. And your pack's starting to rub along, and, and you're like, oh, man, ah. And, and you're into this, and you're multi-day trekking, and all of a sudden, you're walking down the trail like a zombie, and it's starting to hurt everywhere. And, and this can quickly turn into lots of blisters or a pulled muscle or something's hurting so bad. Now you're really slowing down, or you have to stop. Or worst case scenario, you got to be, like, rescued or something and pull it because then it just gets so bad. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've led expeditions trekking where people end up with, like, They've got duct tape all over their entire foot because they end up with six blisters or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is all so much it could be prevented. Mm-hmm. But that's what's happening internally and externally in our lives, in our marriages, in our families. Starting in, with, at work, even. It's it's all over the place. Starting with just a simple yep. irritating pebble in your shoe. And you don't address it. Right. So, ladies and gentlemen, whatever is causing a disturbance address it now you might be listening to this and be like whoa boy that's that's a big list you <laughs> Where do may I start? <laughs> yeah you may have accumulated quite a stack of disturbances and it's completely normal that that's the case because unless you have been doing right. this and addressing it along the way then you, you are going to have yeah. a huge stack which is so why the probability is that most of you have a big stack right which is why I think many people avoid the process is because they feel like it never ends. And maybe in some ways that's true, but I, I can say it gets better. And easier. It gets better and easier because I don't spend most of my days crying and crumpled and, and you know, quote unquote crippled, which is not really accurate. But I, well, I don't spend any days crippled. I don't spend any days in bed not being able to do anything or get out of bed. The only time that's happened is when I've had a baby, (laughs) right? But the reason why is not because I'm more special than other people or don't have emotions or don't get upset or don't get stressed or don't cry. I do all of that. 
but I'm processing it as I go. And so I'm able to then get back up and keep going and keep moving forward and not with this fake happiness, but truly free of that crippling emotion. And some of you may not be able to relate to that because you're like, why well, I don't, I don't get crippled either. And I don't sit around crying and, and all that. But how often are you irritated? How often are you annoyed? How often are you angry, upset, um, distracted by this thing, preoccupied by it? Like whatever it is, you lacking, pick. Yeah, lacking you pick focus thing. even. How, yeah, how, how often are you numbing or buffering or... Procrastinating. Yeah, just pick your thing, whatever. It's having an effect. And so it has to be addressed. And, oh man, that's so powerful. I want to share this quote that I uh, came across by Emerson. He says, um, there's no other way to have peace, I'm kind of paraphrasing, except by the triumph of principles. I think I could do a whole episode on that quote. It's so profound and so powerful. But it's this, it's this principle here. It's this truth that's packaged for application of addressing the small issues, addressing any annoyance, disturbance, any problem, any red flag, and getting really, really deliberate about it. And if you have a list, and most of you probably do, you're probably, in fact, as you've been listening, you're like, oh man, it's that, it's that, it's that, it's that. It's just something the kids have said or done, or your spouse has said or done, or something you've been feeling and experiencing. I, and, and you might be sitting there like Rachel saying, it's like, man, where do I start? Mm-hmm. I would say start with, well, start with what's right in front of you. Right in front of you what's hurting the most. I would also maybe make a suggestion, start with what's physical. And I've done, I do this with my clients. I'm like, you got to get your body in the right state because your body, your body is experiencing all this and it's often this hindrance. And I, I mean, I'm just so, I'm so stoked right now. Two days ago, I got a report from one of the guys in the master class, And then this morning I got one and they both just hit huge physical goals, like massive. Uh, one of them, he, he set a goal to drop a lot of weight and he paid a price to do it. And he said he, he got there three days before his goal. He, had, <laughs> he set his own deadline and he broke a number. He wanted to get below a certain number and he broke that number three days before his goal. And awesome. it, it was awesome because he went through this whole journey, the whole mm-hmm. hero's journey of like, oh, it's not working. Oh, I don't know if I can make it. Oh, I need help. Oh, this is so hard. And, and he did it. Mm-hmm. It was a huge win. Yeah. And these guys are, are experiencing health and vitality and energy and, and fitness and weights that they haven't experienced either ever or like since high school or college. Yeah. And he's giving them this formula and they're getting their bodies in this condition, which then gives them the energy and the clarity, mental clarity and the vitality to go address these other things. Right. Well, it's really interesting because you said start with something physical and actually the first thing i thought of was your physical space Space, yep because that's also another great place to start and maybe that is for more so for moms i mean definitely your health and vitality is powerful but if you can start with bringing order and and finishing things in your physical space because you mentioned that you know where there's things all around us where oh i should take care of that i need to pay attention to that that's off that's bothering me Start addressing those things. Start taking care of those things. And we think, oh, I don't have time. I can't. 
You do, because there's going to be a consequence somewhere, either mentally and emotionally, or actually something in your physical space, you know, like it's going to have a cost. And so we can't just continue to ignore those things in our, in our space or in our mind. We have to start paying attention and we have to start doing something about them. And, and while you think, how can I ever do something about all of those things? Well, you can't, but you can start doing something about some of the things and eventually prioritizing those things so that you're doing the most important things. That's where you begin to have and gain this power back that yep. that just frees you, I guess, in a way. So true. Yeah. So whether it's, it's cleaning up your bedroom, your closet, or your kitchen, or your workspace, your desk, whatever it is, just go get it organized. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why Jordan Peterson always says, like, where do you start? You start by cleaning up your room. Like, there really is power in doing that. When you begin to take responsibility for the space around you, it has a power that carries over into the rest of your life. It's huge. Oh, I love this stuff. So begin addressing it. If you need some help or want some help, um, grab, get into Rachel's 28-Day Challenge program or the Be The Man Masterclass. Um... Get the tools and the strategies. And the reason I say that is because we have habit trackers in there and accountability systems. That, and, and this is why I would say most people struggle to consistently address these issues is because they don't have a system to do it. Mm-hmm. They have a system actually not to do it. That's right. why they haven't been doing it. It's because you, you have a system to not do it. So we set up a system to do it, and you track it, and you write it down. You say, this is what I'm going to do, and then you have someone hold you accountable. Like, I'm going to do this thing, and I'm going to address it until you start taking care of it. And let's say, let's say you make a list and you've got 15 or 25 things, issues that have been there, little annoyances, and you just start ticking them off one at a time. And at first it seems like, gosh, am I ever going to make any progress? Mm-hmm. And you get one, and two, and then three. And pretty soon you look at your list and you're like, I'm down to 11. I got to start with a big list. And then you get down to six. And then, then you get down to that point where you're like, I've, I've addressed them all, or I am addressing them all. And life is so much richer and fuller and more fulfilling and more joyful. And like that quote says, more peaceful. You have true peace because of the triumph of the principles you're living by. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And that is what I would say is the extraordinary family life mm-hmm. by addressing the issues. It's not a life without issues, or not a life without stress, or pressure, or challenges, mm-hmm. or even suffering sometimes. But it's a life where you're capable of handling and dealing with those things as they come. And you do so regularly. Exactly. It's awesome. Okay, love you guys. Thanks for listening. Have a fantastic week. Start addressing something today. Right now, reach up. Here.